Hello and welcome to Emerge, Evolve, Lead, a podcast for people in recovery from addiction who want to be better leaders. I got clean and sober when I was 24, and then I started my corporate career. After several decades, I left that job and created Emerge Leadership Academy, where I train leaders and coach people in recovery who are ready to step up in their career. My name is Maureen Ross-Gem, and I'll be your host. Hello and welcome back. My guest on the show today is Kelly Calabrese. Kelly is not in recovery from addiction, but she is with us today to talk about something that many people in recovery go through, and that is divorce. She empowers women to overcome the grief, fear, and rejection of divorce so that they can heal and create a fabulous life. In fact, her business is called Intentionally Fabulous, which I love. Welcome to the podcast, Kelly. How are you doing? I'm great, Maureen. Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Kelly, let's go ahead and start off by having you introduce yourself to the audience and just tell us uh, about where you are now in your life. What do you do for a living? How um, do you have a family? Do you have, you know, pets, hobbies, anything you want to tell us about yourself? Awesome. Well, everything I've always done has lined up with what I call divine health. I wake up every day so excited to help people be healthy And I've been blessed to do a number of different things. The vehicles have looked different during the years, but, um, you know, writing, speaking, consulting, editing, spokesperson, media work, anything that I can do to have a voice to help people be well, that excites me. Right now, it is in the divorce recovery realm, which I never thought I'd be in. But as Mm. everyone knows, from the, the pain comes purpose. And so I took my 30 plus years as a clinical exercise physiologist, nutrition specialist, lifestyle coach, and I'm now using all those tools with the divorce recovery certification. I do have two college age kids. They're awesome. They're um, athletes in college. So that's a lot of fun in this season. And for fun, I like to ride my bike, anything outside, walking around the lake. I don't have a pet right now, but I have had pets in the past. Yeah. And boy, with COVID, especially, it's so good. It's gotten, it's gotten America out a whole lot more, hasn't it? Yes. I've noticed that even a whole bunch of cities in America are now working on um, putting in more parks and recreation facilities and taking out barriers from different parts of town so that everyone has access to the greenways and that sort of thing. So that's pretty cool. Um, all right. So what, let's go ahead and dive into your story. It sounds like you have a wealth of information about uh, health and fitness, but what happened? So what happened? You had a marriage, obviously, and it it must have ended. Tell us what how you figured out what was wrong and how did you get into your transformation mode? Yeah. So I thought I had it all together. (laughs) I thought it was going well. Had an adoring husband of 24 years, two kids who were healthy and friends and lived in a beautiful home. And, you know, this was revered in my industry and, you know, things were going what I thought was well. And he came home one day and he said, my commitment to our marriage is zero. And he left and it floored me. It really took me to my knees, emptied me out. It felt like a hurricane just came in, scattered my life and left this gaping, painful hole in my heart. 
So I just was not prepared for that. Even having studied personal development at that point for 30 years. I mean, I was listening to Tony Robbins when I was 17. I teach this stuff. And, you know, I had lost my dad. I had lost my best friend to cancer. I'd been sued in a real estate transaction. I mean, stuff had happened to me in my life. It wasn't like I had this Pollyanna life. Live some time and things are going to happen. But this was my thing. I mean, this was the turning point that really sent me on a three-year, what I lovingly refer to as a sabbatical where I just needed to figure out what in the world happened and, and how do I never repeat that again? I needed to hold the mirror up and, you know, own my part in it and see who I really was. And so I spent three years, you know, going on retreats and every day listening to sermons and podcasts and read the books, went to divorce recovery, prayer groups, Bible study. I mean, I had to figure it out. I'm a knowledge person. So yeah. I just went in and wanted to learn. I, you know, I love that. I mean, but that sounds like you just jumped right into recovery. So tell me though, like what the F happened? How there was no signs, there was no symptoms, or you were just in denial. What happened? Like, well, looking back, it was definitely a slow fade. I mean, I can't okay. say that either one of us were, you know, just so thrilled, but I never thought he would leave. Mm. Um, I was primarily the, the breadwinner, the provider. I was a good wife. I really, really was. Mm. Never looked at another man. I mean, all the, if you look at all the re reasons why people get divorced, the only one we had was that we're 10 years apart. Other than that, we checked every box of people who should stay married. Um, Is he older than you or younger? He's 11 years older than me. Yeah. My, my husband's 13 years older than me. And I've always sort of felt like we were a young couple, but I tell you it, now that we're aging and we've been together 33 years, wow. it's um, yeah, I, I can't see any of that happening, but I have friends who have had long-term marriages and my own parents, actually, they were married 25 years and then they split up, but it was alcoholism. That was the initial wow. cause. You know, there were, there were signs and symptoms along the way. And, you know, when my mom said, that's it, you got to go. I can't, you know, she thought that would get him into treatment and recovery and it didn't, it just threw him into somebody else's arms, you know? So it was, it was difficult there. Um, do you think it was just like a midlife crisis or you guys just sort of just yeah. didn't I work mean, I, on I, it? I, I know the reasons that he gave me, I would always want to work on it. I mean, if I go back over my journals and vision boards and goals, and I always had at the top of that list to have an amazing marriage. I mean, that was yeah. always a priority for me. He, I mean, I, I know the words that he told me and I have some ideas of what the real reasons were. Um, but basically he said, you know, I'm just not ever going to be the husband that you want. And uh -huh. so uh, you know, he was dating towards the end of our marriage. And he was uh, re-engaged within a month of our divorce and okay. he was remarried a few months later. So there was that. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, so how long did it take you to get into acceptance and feel like, okay, so was it, was it months or, or really years? Years. Yeah. No, it was years. Yeah. I mean, so when I went on one retreat, uh, this woman who was leading introduced me to the grief cycle, which I had never seen before. Tell us and about that. Yeah. At the, so the first part is the shock. And that's where you're the one, if you're giving the news, like I'm done, I'm out of here. Then the person receiving is like, oh my goodness, you know, there's that shock. The person who's asking to leave on average has been thinking about it for two years. Oh, wow. So they have a two year head. So like they're already thinking how they're going to tell their family, what they're going to say at work, where they're going to live. Like they've got two years of planning this out. But the person who just gets blindsided 
the first thing is shock. And then you go through denial, like this isn't happening. This is not happening. And then there's um, anger where you're really just like, no, this, like, this isn't supposed to happen to me. I'm a good wife. And then there is um, sadness. You know, there's just this, this deep sadness that you're grieving the loss of, you know, your dreams being shattered. I'm at expectations. You don't ever expect this. There is um, bitterness. Ooh, I was bitter. I, I hung out stuck and stopped in bitterness for a long time. Mm-hmm. There's depression and depression is actually, believe it or not, a little bit on the upswing. You're still pressing things down, but eventually you get to a point where you start to readjust and then ultimately acceptance. And what I like to do with my coaching clients is get them not only to acceptance, but there is this whole amazing bonus life out there that you can create that you didn't even know was possible. Like there are some great things to being single. There are some great things to getting a second chance, having a clean slate, starting over. So it's not this, you know, beautiful curve or this linear, like better, better, better. It is messy. You get triggered. Right. You know, you, you see your spouse on social media with some woman or, you know, the girlfriend is on the vacation you're supposed to be on or something happens sideways with the kids. And you're like, are you kidding me? Um, so, so even that, that bouncing. those stages of grief are probably you're in and out of them. It depending on the day. It's not like, okay, first you go through this for three months and then you go no. through that. No, it's like, it depends on the day. One day you might be, uh, really sad. Another day you might be angry and another day you're, you, you get into shock again, almost it's, it really is. Uh, I yeah. think a grief is a, is a interesting process. Did ever your, um, how did it affect your, your faith? Yeah. So I have been a person of faith for a long time. It has deepened my faith. I never shook my fist at God ever. Like, why me? You know, I never asked God that question, but I got on my knees and just pressed in and I had to hold up the mirror and say, you know, Lord, what was my part in that? Because I don't ever want to do that again. And I realized a lot about myself that I was a perfectionist and perfectionists are really hard to live with. Um, I, he was, you know, there's two ends to a ditch. So he was on the irresponsible, foolish end. So I was hyper-responsible slash controlling. Mm. And so you get two people on two ends of a ditch and that's ugly. Um, so those were, you know, I was an enabler, absolutely a hundred percent an enabler. So on this deep dive, I realized all these things about myself that were revealed through, you know, time with God and, you know, going through biblical counseling and going to the healing place. So I figured a lot of these things out and God did miracles the whole time. I mean, miraculous things were happening in my darkest, emptiest door kicking, sobbing moments. You know, God would just show up with something to go. I got you. I see you. You're going to make it. It's not going to be this hard forever. You know, that's a lot of what we go through, even when we give up um, alcohol and drugs and we get sober and clean. And it's, um, it's a, it's a very difficult process, especially when you are triggered and things happen and you have to face a trauma again or whatever it is. But, you know, there's a saying that we have, and you may have heard of it, um, that God is doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. And maybe you weren't even supposed to be in that marriage anymore. And maybe this adversity has caused you to step into the next greatest, grandest version of yourself and who you, who you really are meant to be. 
One of the moments, real turning points for me was I was actually reading a scripture about Paul when he was in prison and he said, I'm glad it happened. And I was like, wow, if Paul could be in prison, I mean, he was beat up, he was just abused, he was tarred, he was, you know, whipped in every, and here he is thrown in prison and he had a dream of preaching in Rome. And I'm like, okay, if Paul could say, I'm glad it happened, then I could say, I'm glad this divorce happened. And I never thought I'd say it, but I would still be the controlling, enabling, perfectionist person that I was had this not happened. And now I got to work through those things and get on the other side and, and help people. Which was kind of a prison of your own making. It was. Right? It was. I've heard this story a lot. And in fact, you know, interestingly enough, I've interviewed three men on this podcast over the past year that have all been in prison. And every one of them is grateful for it. Every one of them is grateful for it and has a deep connection with, you know, their, their God. So it's really um, kind of interesting how that, how it, how it happens. Although when we're going through it, it's like hell, it, it really is like hell. Right. But on the other side, so much better. So could you talk for a little bit about um, the forgiveness process of what you had to go through and, and how you worked through that? Absolutely. So I had said the words, you know, I forgive him, I forgive but then him. There'd, there'd be some triggered. I'd be like, Oh, like the thorn is still in my side. I know I haven't forgiven. And so it was probably over two years in two and a half years in, it was 4th of July weekend. And I was invited to all the places come out on the boat, come to the lake, whatever. And I was just still in such just bitter victim place. I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. I am sitting on this couch until I figure out this forgiveness thing. And I read a book called forgiving forward by Hybel H Y B E L is the last name. And I sat on the couch for three days and just sobbed where I realized that it wasn't so much about forgiving my former husband as it was forgiving myself. Oh. And that I had felt like such a failure that I was holding my own feet to the fire. I was burning myself and just punishing myself for yeah. feeling like a failure, not forgiving me. And so the self-forgiveness was the biggest, I could palpably feel the lifting and the layers just peeling off when I finally sat there and forgave myself. Wow. That's awesome. So that, that, you know, that three days of deep feeling, crying it out. And did you do a lot of writing during that time? I did. I've always been a journaler. Um, I fill a page every night just with gratitude oh, in addition good. to all the other writing that I do, that's, that's just a must. That has been a superpower for me, just writing out gratitude every single day. Um, so yes, I was writing, I was underlining, I was crying, <laughs> I, I was doing all the things. <laughs> you were doing the deep work. That's what we call it, right? That deep work of, of really getting it out of your system. And yeah, the truth is many of us have to go through that, um, in sobriety, because there's a lot of things that we did that didn't really, um, well, that, that weren't the best for us. And we did hurt people along the way, but mostly we hurt ourselves yeah. and we made decisions that weren't good for us. And we do have to heal that. So, so, so glad you did that. What's well, so, sometimes though we get stuck in a rut, what's your best advice for somebody who may be going through something and is just feels stuck and can't get out of it. Yeah. 
I mean, the, the self-love is so important. We, when Whatever we're saying to ourselves, we know that those thoughts become the beliefs and the beliefs become the words. And then the words that we activate then become the things we do habitually, which becomes our character, which becomes our identity. So going back to the thoughts we're saying to ourselves. So are we saying, you know, I'm an addict, I'm I have no willpower. I am, you know, so the self-talk is so powerful and reversing that to things that are true. I am loved. I am capable. I am worthy. And whatever those words are for you, whatever speaks to your soul, write those down, record it, play it back to yourself, print it out. You need to have some place that you can go when you're feeling, you know, stuck and down that speaks truth and life. If you have a person in your life that will do that or multiple people or accountability partner, a sponsor, someone that you can turn to, um, you don't have to do it alone for sure. But even just in a moment, if it's a little thing and you could just pull up these affirmation statements, speaking love, speaking life over yourself. For me, connecting spiritually is always a place of peace. And what I do is I imagine that I'm in heaven. So maybe you have a place that you go, maybe it's out on your lounge chair or in bed or on your couch and it could be in your office anywhere, but I just sit there and I close my eyes and I imagine myself in heaven. And then I can ask these questions or express these feelings or this stuckness, whatever it is. And you'll always get peace. You'll probably get some answer, but you'll leave feeling peace because a lot of times when we're stuck and triggered, there's just chaos and stress. And when our bodies are just amped up to fight, it's tough to make any good decisions. Even in the military, first thing they do is tell you, Calm down. So breathing gets you present, gets you calm. When you calm your nervous system down, now you can start to make better decisions. Also, when you know your core values, it makes it easier. For example, I am not someone who goes through the drive-thru. That, that's just not an issue for me. Maybe it is for someone else, but that's my character and my identity. So it's easy for me if I'm hungry. The, you know, French fries and burgers is, is just not an option for me. So you have to find what your thing is. But when you know your core values, like that, that's the old me, like the old me would have done that, but the new me has these values and this is what I do. And it just makes the decisions easier when you have Definitely. decided and you've, you've cut off other possibilities. Like, no, the, the old me would call the old boyfriend up or, you know, whatever it is for you, but writing down your core values, like your must, these are the musts in my life and not perfect, but it just helps you to decide and then, um, you know, you might have, these are the non-negotiables like, no, right. I know, I know what this does to me and I'm not going to do that again. Yeah. So it's just, you know, I can cut that off. So you said a whole lot of things there, but one is the, and the, and the biggest one there is the self knowing your values and then using your self-talk to remind yourself, oh no, yeah, no, that's not me anymore. I don't do that. And constantly doing that reprogramming because we were conditioned, right? We, we had those old programs that are speaking up. That's when we are uncomfortable because we're not living up to the values that we, you know, that we want to be, that that's the identity. So I'm assuming that this is how you really um, design a life you love. Cause I know you're, you're speaking my language because I have a whole course on it too. And this designing a life you love is aligning with your, with your values and, and living up to the vision of the identity of the person that you want to be that next 
most awesome version of yourself. You know, one of the things you said, though, I wanted to, to mention that that has been so helpful for to me is the place that I go to when I first of all, I meditate every morning. Like that's a non-negotiable for me. I have to do that every morning, 20 minutes. It, unless I'm traveling, then it's 10. <laughs> but, but when I'm um, meditating, I often, especially if I feel like I need to have some compassion for myself or I'm beating myself up for something, maybe I made a mistake or maybe I said something that I shouldn't have. And, um, you know, even though if, if I, you know, first I'll try to make amends, but if it's not possible or I just don't like my own self that day, I go into this meditation and allow myself to go into this place where I actually go into my heart space and I imagine, it's use my imagination to see myself in this beautiful little, it's kind of a hut that's very glamorously um, equipped with a nice couch with even like faux fur on it, <laughs> really <laughs> comfortable and it, sw- yeah. and, and it swings a little and I'm out looking over a cliff onto the ocean front and, you know, and there's a garden there. So I've created this beautiful nurturing space that's in my heart. And then if I need help, I will ask for divine assistance to come down like, you know, maybe it is St. Paul, maybe it's my, an angel, maybe it's a guide of some sort and just ask them, what would you say to me? And sometimes I've even put myself there with my future self, with my crone old, old person self that says, okay, now I've lived my life. What would you say to me right now? And it's always a beautiful, beautiful message, you know, to me. And I know that I'm sort of making it up, but still it works. It really, really works to have that self-compassion to treat myself, not bully, not bully myself. And I know that, you know, we often can get into that. So as you're learning to do that, um, that's a really, really good tool. So what are some other ways um, or tools that you use success habits? You, you, you say of like, say, uh, high achievers or people that really want to get into living a fabulous, fabulously intentioned life. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the things I do, and this was part of the forgiveness is I live a life of what I call pre forgiveness. So I decide ahead of time, as I go out into my day that I am carrying peace with me. This peace is expensive. <laughs> it is too expensive to give up And so I'm going to go out into my day, just living this life of pre-forgiveness. So if someone cuts me off, I'm not going to get upset. If someone's yelling at me, you know, with the office, I have no idea what's going on in their life. I mean, if I've done something, I'm going to be quick to apologize. I do not have a moment to waste to carry around offense. Why are we so easily offended? Why is everyone like, what in the world am I walking around so easily offended for? So I just let all the offenses go and I go out carrying peace with me and peace is an energy. We have an energy. The lowest level of energy is victim. And the highest is this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. Like I want to be vibrating at that highest level because when I walk in the room, I want people not for my own ego, but people to just lean in and go, wow, what does she have? I want some of that. She's carrying peace with her. Well, you're carrying the light. Yeah. I can't afford to give it up. It's too expensive. So that's a little tool that really works for me because you can catch yourself if you feel yourself getting fiery or getting really sad or, and not that you don't feel those things, but I don't fall as long, as deep, as hard, as fast anymore. doesn't mean I don't have a bad day. I mean, I just 
got news that my mom's neighbor died and I was, you know, sad with her this morning. And, you know, that's just going to happen. Life is hard. There's going to be hard, yeah. struggling things, but I'm not going to let it keep me down forever. I have a lot of friends right now, our age and in fifties who are losing their parents and I've lost yeah. my dad and, but I'm not going to take a year and mourn and grieve. I, you know, I lost my dad. I love my dad, but our time here is so short that I just can't afford to stay down very long. I'm going to feel it for real. I'm going to work through it. But the more deep work you do, I think the less time you are going to spend down. You're, you're not, and especially when you're keeping your life together, one thing is not a major crisis. So if the air condition goes, you can get a fix if you have the rest of your life. So you're like, okay, I've got money. I've got connections. I've got, you know, relationship. I, you know, my health is good. Uh, the car is running. So I try and keep everything as, you know, not that it's all going to be a 10, it's not, but. But when you, you keep yourself focused on gratitude, yes, you, right. And you do your list every night. I love this tool. I love it very much because um, you are the owner of your reactions. And I talk about it in a little bit different ways. One is emotional intelligence. You know, I own what I'm feeling. I own my reactions. If, if you ha are having some issues with me, that's, that's your stuff. Yeah, that's you know? on you. I'm right. not your savior. <laughs> oh, oh. No, and people do take offense and it's like, wow, that wasn't my intention. And you can decide to let that go or not. That we're all really, if, if there is a trigger, it's because we're just messengers for each other. And it's usually because my higher self wants me to learn or look at something, right? If I'm triggered, it has nothing to do with the person who actually pushed the button. That's right. You know? So good. And even with the gratitude, when I first started filling a page every night, it was very mechanical. It was like, well, I took my vitamins. I walked the dog. I, you know, it's just kind of check, check, check. But then I started going throughout my day looking for things to write in my yeah. gratitude journal at night because I knew I was going to have to fill that page. And when that shift happened, I started going throughout my day like, wow, nobody gets to have the day I have. Not everyone gets to talk to Maureen today. Like, oh, my goodness, I get to be on her podcast. <laughs> what a blessing that that is. And, you know, I just started looking and this whole flow of giving and receiving and gratitude just became this superpower in my life where I can take something hard and disappointing and go, okay, what was good about that? What was the lesson in it? Yeah, you know, didn't meet my expectations. I thought it was going to be better. But how can I learn from that rather right. than lose? And the gratitude journaling really helps with that. Oh, yeah. It's a tool that we use a lot in, in our program of recovery because, again, it gets you into the high vibe the high vibes. And that's how we manifest, right? What we focus on expands. And when you're looking for things to be grateful for, suddenly everything is like a miracle. Everything is. is like amazing. And then you start seeing the messages and the signs and the love of, you know, the universe all around you. And it, it does, it is, it feels so much better and people yes. want to be around you. True. And you know what? The real negative people, they don't want to be around you. That's okay. It is good. I started actually tracking what was coming to me that I was not paying for because oh. it was just unbelievable to me. So in my journal, I, I know every day I think about what did I receive that I didn't have to pay for today. And almost every day there's something, it will total, you know, over a hundred thousand dollars by the end of the year. Someone gave me a book, someone bought me soup, someone, um, you know, wouldn't charge me for coaching. Someone did a web change for me and didn't send me a bill. Someone, and I just started looking how people just started to give me things. And I'm very generous. I give a lot and I'm not tracking what I'm giving. 
but I just wanted to honor and recognize what I was receiving. Someone paid for dinner or invited me to a theater or a concert or, and it was amazing what started coming to me. So I actually give it a dollar value now. That's a really cool thing to do. And I've never done that. I'm going to start looking at some of that because I'll tell you, I, what I do do is I look at all the abundance around me and I'm constantly realizing I have so much, you know, right? We have so much to be grateful for, you know, not just the house and the roof and all that, but but really like nature and all my friends and the amount of love that comes at me. If I ever ever even say like, oh, I'm having a bad day. I, I get friends that will send me a reading or, you know, give me hugs or stop by with the soup. Like you said, the thing is, you know, every, we all want to help each other. And the more we are connected with other people, the more abundance the universe seems to show us because the more we're giving and the more we get to receive, but we have to be able to receive too, right? It's that balance. Yes. My goodness. I have, you know, I've been a, a giver my whole life. I have friends who are givers, 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 but if you give and give and give and you never receive, eventually you're empty you and you're stealing someone's joy of giving to you, just like yeah. we love to bless someone with something extra that we have. It's like if a king said to his, you know, prince, his son, I want to give you this. And the prince said, no, 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 don't give it to me. Don't. I mean, the person is giving out of their abundance, or maybe it is a sacrifice for them to give, but don't steal their joy. Be a good receiver, like turn your receiver on, stop being so prideful. Like, what do you think is going to happen if you joyfully receive from someone you're making them feel loved because they have a heart to give to you? Why would you want to turn that away or make them feel bad about it? Receive right. it. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I love that message. Yeah, that's really good. All right. So we're going to get ready to wrap up here in a minute. But what is your number one goal every day? The lens that I use to look through life with is love. It is letting love win. That is the barometer and the measure that I use for every decision that I make is how can love win in this situation? What is the highest possible good that could happen and I'm just going to contend for it within my realm of influence un until it happens. So I want to let love win every day. That's beautiful. That's why we, you know, you carry peace with you and you're always filled with light, right? So even in the darkest times, you guys, you gotta, you gotta find that light within you and shine it because that's what gets us through and connect with other people and share it with other people. Do you have any um, other advice you want to give our listeners before we close? I would say celebrate, yeah. really celebrate it. It just, it'll bring you closer to your dreams. It acknowledges your successes. It fuels more success. It gives you a chance to reflect, bring other people in with you. When you celebrate, if you're not celebrating, you're going to burn out. You're just going to go from thing to thing. You're robbing yourself of feeling good. Be intentional about celebrating. It creates endorphins and just happy, happy feelings. And so make celebrating intentional and make it a habit. I love it. Great message. Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really loved your message and I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you, Maureen. Thanks for bringing the show to the world. The world needs it. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with your friends. You can visit us at EmergeLeadershipAcademy.com to take the quiz to find out what animal best represents your leadership style. 
And until next week, remember, you have so many leadership skills that you learned in recovery. Stop hiding because your contribution matters. 